Hi, guys. This is Headcase. I'm here with Jack Leary. Hey. And we have a special guest on today named AJ Diaz. He is my good friend's boyfriend, actually. And she uh, she connected us. And um, I'm really excited for you guys to hear his story because it's very unique. And yeah, so AJ, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to – he has this website – ajdiaz.org um where he speaks to people in schools and um i'm gonna let him tell you about his journey (laughs) first of all hey guys um uh, thank you for having me this is uh probably one of the coolest things i've ever done Uh, i've never uh done anything like this so this is very uh very unique and very interesting and i'm you know very grateful for the opportunity um yeah so i have been sober now for almost four years um, March 4th, uh, will be four years. Congrats. Thank you so much. And, um, you know, sobriety has been an interesting journey. Um, it was never something that was kind of drawn up in the sand when I was a little kid. That is, you know, not, it was not part of the plan. Um, but, um, you know, life takes you in different directions. And, uh, if it wasn't for getting sober, um, I wouldn't have found what I wanted to do with my life. Um, you know, for so long, I kind of just felt, or looking back, I felt so directionless in what I was going to do and, um, didn't really know. And, you know, going through this process, um, I realized that helping people is what I want to do. Um, being involved in the substance use community is what I want to do. Um, so it all worked out and, uh, what I'm doing right now, I, um, so I've been working in the healthcare substance use disorder industry, uh, for about three years now. And um, kind of got to the point where I uh, hit my kind of ceiling, if you will. And uh, I knew that if I really wanted to pursue this, I need to go back to school. Right. Um, so I was kind of, you know, it was a total kind of um, spur of the moment decision. Um, and uh, I was super late with the uh, the registration. Um, I had called into uh, to NYU and said, hey, can I still apply? They said, yeah, sure. You got to get everything in, you know, two days. So uh I was looking for recommendations. Um, now, it's funny that I went back to school because in college, I was not a student. Uh, school is never my thing. I just didn't enjoy it. Um, so I knew I needed an academic recommendation, and uh, I knew that no college professor would ever know who I was or what I looked like for that matter. Right. So I couldn't really go back to them and ask and say, hey, it's me, AJ. And yeah. they'd say, um, who are you? So <laughs> I never I, saw uh, you in class. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so uh, I, uh, I had a teacher that I was really close with in high school. Um, it was actually his first year teaching when I was in high school. He was, I think, 21 or 22, um, yeah. and I was like 18 at the time. And so we kind of bonded over that, uh, just kind of, you know, proximity of age. So um, anyways, I, he had uh, put a post on Facebook about uh, a um, touring speaker who talks about addiction and, you know, how, how much he liked his talk. And, uh, and so I was like, okay, this is my guy that I'm going to go to. Um, so I contacted him, and I pretty much said – I will do all the work. I'll like write the write the recommendation. I'll you know all I really need is just your signature, kind of like your letterhead, and just to kind of sign off. Um, in the first draft of this recommendation, I was going to put in that I was sober, mm-hmm. um, and then I'd realized like this guy hasn't seen me since high school, so he's going to have a lot of questions because yeah. I'm sure he's going to read this thing uh, before he signs off on right. it. <laughs> so I called him and I was like, "Hey, by the way, before you read this, let me just give you the down low on what's been going on." Um, and he was, you know, super receptive and like just so great. And, uh, it turned out that, um, so 
in my town and in many towns across Long Island, they have these uh, community um, organizations, mm-hmm. and they uh, they help with a, a multitude of things. This one in particular, he was the uh, teacher, and uh, he's also a baseball coach at the high school. And he was like, yeah, hey, I'm the teacher and coach liaison for this group now. And the board's been kind of hounding me to be like, hey, can you get a former student who's in recovery to come and talk to us? Wow. And he was like, well, I can't just kind of put up flyers for this. Uh, You know, so like uh, you're kind of falling into my lap right now. Yeah. What do you think? Um, And honestly, my first reaction was like, no way. You know, I'm from this town. My parents still live there. My sister has connections here. I didn't really leave on the best of terms, you know, as far as a reputation goes. This might be weird. You know, I'm going to go in and share these personal, this personal information about myself. I don't really know if I want to do that. Um, I kind of thought it over and and talked to like my team and, uh, and decided that, you know what, this would be a great way to be of service. Um, And it kind of snowballed from there. It went really well. It got a great reception and, uh, and kind of been doing it ever since. Um, So now I go into schools and I speak to, um, senior classes, people who are going, obviously the kids who are going to college, um, and are going to be entering this world of partying and what decisions do I make? And, you know, seeing some more real life things rather than the bubble that they were in, in, you know, their hometowns of high school. Right. And, uh, and then also speaking to parents, um, you know, how do you talk to your kids? How do you talk to your kids about this kind of stuff? Um, you know, I was the kind of kid that I didn't really, I didn't like to talk. I didn't want to talk to mom and dad about this kind of stuff or anything for that matter. Um, And so like how do you kind of break down that wall? Right. And and so with that, my website started um, and uh, to kind of gain traction for speaking. And then um, I was actually talking to Courtney and she was like, you know, oh, you should maybe start a blog. You know, there's so much information that you have, right? <laughs> and uh, she uh, she's the brains of the operation. Uh, and uh, pulling the strings. There you go. There you go. She just kind of maneuvers me in certain yeah. ways. Um, and uh, you know, there's so much information out there, and people don't have access to it. Um, whether that's mental health services or self help groups, or just like, hey, what do I do in this situation? Right. And so. Uh, my vision for this is to have a blog, but also have kind of an online community um, and hopefully grow it from there. And really the, the, the you know, point of it or the, the message that I want to have is that, like, you can come here with whatever you have. Right. Um, no problem is too big, too little, too, you know, whatever. Um, and if you have someone struggling in your life, whether it's with substance use disorder or with just mental health in general, and you have a question – I want this to be the place that you can go to. And yeah. you can talk to people who are going through that, are professionals, you know, have already gone through it or have a parent or a family friend who have gone through it. And they're like, hey, this is what I did. Maybe check out these avenues. Yeah. And it's just, you know, a safe space where people can talk about this stuff. That's amazing. It's a really great forum. And people love that because it's like it can be anonymous. and They don't Absolutely. have to t- say who they are. No one has to know that they're asking these questions and then they actually get real help from people who've been through it instead of just healthcare providers who have never experienced it. It's such a different thing than actually being someone who is recovering and having gone through that from the start, basically. But also, like you said, it's hard when you're in the in the bubble of high school and everything else is going on and you're heading into college or maybe you're in college. But the last thing you want to hear is advice or talk about it with your parents usually. Yeah. So to have someone from the outside come in and be able to have a real conversation. And, and who's not that like far away from your age either. Right. I mean, parents just 
they it was a different generation yeah. so i mean they could give you advice all you want but also if your parent isn't and wasn't an addict or isn't an addict or isn't in recovery right. then they're they not really going to understand yeah I feel like, too, you know, you have so many times where you have celebrities come in and speak. Yeah. And it's like, that's really great. But, like, how many people in the audience are going to go play for the Knicks or so true. You know, right. play for the Yankees or, you know, win an Oscar? Right. Not – I'm sure there might be – you know, I'm not taking away from that. But, like, I I enjoy the fact that I am a regular guy. Yeah. And I can kind of go in and be like, hey, like, I'm just like you. Nothing fancy about it. You know, I'm, you know, I go to work every day and, you know, I'm not famous by any means whatsoever. And, uh, you know, so this happens to everyday people too. Right. And I mean, as inspiring as it is to listen to a celebrity talk about how they became like the 1% and (laughs) really made it, it's also can be super inspiring to hear someone who's just, just like you every day just going through life, trying to make ends meet and do all of that. And then also have something about them that's super inspiring that could bring other people together. Totally. That's amazing. So going back to getting sober, Mm -hmm. what, so when, when did you start drinking? When did I start drinking? Um, I started drinking when I was around 12. Okay. Um, so, the town I'm from, it's, you know, it's a really great town. Um, and the, the kind of the ethos of the town is, you know, work hard, kind of party harder. Right. Um, and I'm sure, you know, that is not isolating, you know, the town that I'm from, but you know, I'm sure there are many, many yeah. towns across America that kind of have the same, you know, mindset. Right. So, uh, and for me, sports were always so important for me and sports are really important in the town that I grew up in. And, uh, I remember being in like, fifth, sixth, seventh grade and kind of going to the high school games and, you know, these guys were gods. They were, you know, they were the professionals. They were the celebrities. All I wanted to do was be like them. Um, All my friends, I mean, we all wanted to be like them. The difference was with me and my friends, and obviously, like, I kind of realized this looking back, is that, you know, we didn't, you know, we all wanted to, yeah, play the sports and do all that, but I wanted to do the other stuff afterwards too. Yeah. I thought it was so cool that they could go to parties afterwards. I didn't know what a party really was, but right. like whatever was going on there, I wanted to be there. Yeah. And so, you know, cause I just thought that that encapsulated what you do. Right. Um, you see it in movies all the time. You see it in TV all the time. You know, these guys win the game and they go to this great party and it's like, wow, like I want to do that too. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I remember I was at a, uh, a graduation party, um, for a friend's brother and, uh, Seeing these guys, you know, in the flesh now, not like, you know, in their uniforms or uh, or on the field and um, literally just filling up solo cups with beer. And I was like, God, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, you know, I just want to be like that. That just looks awesome. It's like a walking advertisement. Oh, totally. I was, <laughs> beer. I was just like, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and so, like, at the end of the night, you know, people were kind of doing their own thing. And uh, I just kind of like, you know, moseyed around the uh, the party and just grabbed, you know cups that were you know a quarter full and just started drinking them and uh i thought that i had like arrived yeah um here i was at a party and uh you know i was drinking and i got drunk and it was great yeah um and that kind of got the idea in my head and so i was around 12 there i was uh the summer after seventh grade or 13 whatever age you are there and um and then it kind of stopped um you know a lot of my friends were on the fence about this what do we do? Everyone was still really young. And, yeah. you know, so like sports were the most important thing. And like, we're starting to like, like girls. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, drinking was just like totally on the back burner. 
um, when high school rolled around. Oh, by the way, am I? Sh- do you want me to like go into the story or? Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. I didn't know. <laughs> Something in, when I once I get going, yeah, it's no, like you, you got to shut me up. <laughs> it's um, my favorite. <laughs> uh, so uh, when high school came along, um, now we're playing high school sports and like, okay, we're here. Like you know, we're doing the thing. Like we are. We're the older guys now. Mm-hmm. Right. Know, even though you aren't, you're you know. A Still, you always, so you always feel old, like when you're yeah. in that phase, and then you look back, you're like, well, wasn't uh, I'm a ch- I was a child, <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh, but you feel huge because you're in high school now, yeah. albeit you're a freshman, but that's okay. Um, and so, uh, me and my friends, we had this like elaborate plan uh, to get drunk uh, the night of the homecoming dance, and uh, this was the dance that, like, you know, freshmen through seniors are going to be there. So it's like, whoa, here we go. Older girls will be there. You know, everyone's going to be there after the game. This is going to be huge. We need to have some giant plan for it. And um, obviously the plan went awry. It didn't work out. And uh, so we were only like able to scrape together a couple beers. And anyway, that night I blacked out. And, and, you know, the next day I was, you know, all fun and games and like, wow, that was so great. You got so drunk. And uh, <laughs> and I was like a hero for it. Yeah. I was cool for it. It was funny and I was kind of celebrated for it. And that right there kind of became my calling card. Um, the kids that I grew up with and uh, both the guys and the girls that I was in high school with, they were so good at everything. Right. Um, everyone kind of had their one thing, whether it was sports or music or academics, whatever it was. They had kind of their one, you know, niche thing that they were great at. Yeah. And I kind of felt like for myself that I was, I didn't have that. Right. I was kind of just like good across the board, but I wasn't great. Yeah. You didn't Um, excel in one particular thing. Exactly. So like if you were the kid who scored four goals, I scored two. Or if you got a 95, I got an 85. Right. Um, And I didn't understand why. I just like couldn't wrap my head around that. And so when I had this moment with drinking and everyone was like, oh, my God, you're great. I was like, I, I am great. This yeah. is <laughs> you're damn right. I'm great. Drinker. Let, let's go. You know, here we wow. go. Um, and thus started my reputation yeah. of just like, you know, if you want to have fun, you're going to go hang out with AJ. Um, and, you know, there was no consequences for me. And mm-hmm. that just kind of rolled along through high school. And, you know, I was the fun party guy. And, you know, I'm still able to kind of get some things done. But no one really cares about that. We care that you have fun. Right. Um, and then that moved into college. And in college, it just like really took on a life of its own. Yeah. Um, so I'm in college. I, uh, I went to college to play two sports. I left playing no sports um, and uh, barely graduated. Um, so uh, so we're there. And like my drinking just like it was like a progression for me. It was right. like high school it was like beer. And then by the time the I minor got, leagues and the major leagues. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so like I got to. Got to college and it was like, okay, like I'm drinking vodka all the time now. Uh, or at least when I go out, like beer, like that's not going to do anything for me. Like right. I need to like do shots or, or whatever it is. And then um, my sophomore year, I got introduced to uh, Oxycontin. And um, I'd never really done that before. I'd never done any of that before. I mm-hmm. think, you know, I didn't start smoking weed until my freshman year of college. That was just not a thing that yeah. I did. Um, but um, the rationalization I put to it was that like, oh, um, you know, I'm an athlete, so I can't smoke. So like, this will be my weed and like, it's totally fine. Yeah. Um, and that was like truly like the beginning of the end for me. Right. Um, I just didn't know that yet. Um, so I'm going through college and, uh, you know, my drinking went from like Friday and Saturday night to like Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, Sunday afternoon. 
And then by the time, you know, senior year rolled around, I had quit both the sports that I was playing um, simply because they got in the way of what I wanted to do. Right. Um, I'd quit football prior to that, um, but I was still playing lacrosse. And halfway through the season, I was living with football guys. That was, yeah. you know, and so uh, I – and they were going out in the spring. And I was like, I want to go out. Yeah. I don't want to not drink the day before this game. Like, that's stupid. And I literally like walked into my coach's office and I was like, I quit, you know, no explanation, no nothing. Um, or I, I think I told him like, this isn't for me anymore. Um, and this was a sport that I had played my whole life. Where did you go to college? I went to Muhlenberg College. Okay. Yeah. So in Pennsylvania and, uh, and yeah, I mean like sports were like such an integral part of my life, like right. my whole life. And, uh, so it got you drinking essentially. Ex- yeah, there you go. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. And, uh. And yeah, and I quit it simply because it got in the way of drinking. And um, so I am at this point, like my my drug use is just like out of control. Um, I was waking up at like six o'clock in the morning, driving from Pennsylvania to Long Island, picking up, making the quick turnaround and getting back for like class at nine o'clock. Wow. Um, because it was just that like that. That's what I needed. Yeah. Um, and I was like at this time, like and again, I was such a rookie in all this. And the fact that I didn't know what withdrawal was. Yeah. I didn't know what addiction was. I just thought that like I really like this stuff. So like I'm just going to do it because I like it. Yeah. Um, I was always sick. Had no idea why I was sick. Really? Um, always sick. And my roommates were like, dude, like, are you OK? Like, what's wrong? Um, I never knew why. I always just had these like mysterious illnesses. Um, so anyways, I, I barely graduate. Um, I failed a class my senior year. So I had to stay and take a class and didn't receive my diploma until October. Oh, wow. Um, and that was kind of the first consequence that I had. Um, I had to go to graduation and like I could walk, but I didn't receive any diploma. Yeah. Um, and it was just embarrassing, you know, but again, because I was so far into this, I didn't really see the ramifications of that. Right. I was like, okay, like big deal. I'm gonna get it in October. Like, no worries. I don't know why everyone's freaking out. Yeah. Um. So I got this job uh, working in finance and uh, here in the city, and you know, doing something that really I had no interest in doing and making you know more money than I'd ever seen before. Right. Um. I was living at home, so I had zero expenses. All this was going into my you know into my pocket. Um. And that's really when it just you know completely you know yeah, took on a life. Yeah. Yeah. Just completely went off the rails. Um, I was using every single day. Um, I was uh, drinking four nights a week. Um, I was a mess. I was a total yeah. mess. Um, I got fired from that job and uh, I got fired from multiple jobs um, just for poor performance for drug use. Um, it just was not a good scene. I, uh, my parents were worried to say the least. Yeah. They didn't really know what was going on. Um, and I was just super secretive. Yeah. Very. And I was very good at being secretive. Yeah. Um, there were a couple things that kind of popped up there. Um, things were missing in the house. Um, I never had any money in a bank account. Um, and, uh, you know, I was the habit that I had formed here, um, cost a lot of money. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, like how can I get a, you know, how can I continue to fund this, um, without a job? Right. Um, so at this point I was, uh, collecting unemployment, um, every Wednesday. I was getting $420 every Wednesday. And, uh, and then also I was just stealing. Yeah. That's what I was doing. Uh, and for me, like the easiest targets were family. Yeah. Um, started kind of small and then I grew more bold and more bold. And, uh, I mean the pawn shop, the guy at the pawn shop knew me by name. Wow. Um, that was like pretty brutal. 
Um, my grandmother at the time, she, or at the time, my grandmother, uh, she, um, uh, she would go to Florida for, for the winters and her house was literally became like my ATM machine. Um, you know, I would go in there and just like take what I needed and leave and pawn it off. And, and, and that's what I would do. Um, and, uh, just kind of, you know, thinking about that and just like looking back, it was, you know, it was sad and it was desperate and it was terrible. And, um, but that's where I'd gone to, you know, here was a kid who I had graduated, um, with honors from high school and I went to college to go play two sports and, you know, I had all these friends and like I had checked off all these boxes and now I am stealing from family members, collecting unemployment right. uh, and getting high every single day. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that was uh, a, just a common theme for a couple of years. And, uh, you know, cocaine got into the mix there for a while. And, um, you know, I mean, I was in if I wasn't high on uh, painkillers, mm-hmm. on opiates, um, I would be in just horrible withdrawal. Um, and the withdrawal I had would be, you know, I wouldn't eat for two, three days on end. Um, no sleep. I mean, over a 72 hour period, I'd maybe get 10 hours of sleep. Um, (laughs) you know, it was just a brutal, brutal existence. And, uh, I was seeing a therapist at the time. I'd seen multiple therapists at this time who, uh, I just lied to because I wasn't ready to get help. And I, you know. I didn't have an answer for the questions that people had for me. Right. You know, I you were didn't, able to manipulate. I was a master manipulator. It's yeah. a great word. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I think it was just so hard for me to have to go to my parents and be like, uh, your son's a drug addict. Right. Um, and so like, I, I just like, I couldn't bring that information to them yeah. or at least I didn't think I could bring that information. to them. so I lied about literally everything. Um, and, uh, so I was seeing a therapist at the time. And, um, so like I said, I was, I was stealing from literally everyone. Um, and at this point, you know, every door in my house had a lock on it. Um, there were multiple safes in the house. You know, people were, you know, every valuable was was put into something that had a lock on it because, quite frankly, you couldn't trust me at all. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, I would get up to go to the bathroom and someone would follow me because they wow. didn't really know where I was going. And, and you know, totally uh totally deserved yeah totally deserved i was you know completely sketchy i was you know i just didn't care about anyone other than myself um and so uh so like i said i had this therapist and um i'm seeing him i'm just lying to him through my teeth the entire time Mm -hmm. um so my mother's birthday is march 2nd and my sister's birthday is march 3rd my sobriety date is march 4th um and so um every year we kind of do a joint birthday for them And uh, just to kind of give you an idea of like where I was at like a year prior to this in 2014, I uh, we were going out for their birthday, joint birthday, and my dealer hadn't gotten back to me yet. And so I faked some illness that like I can't go. I'm like not going to go be with my family right now. Like I'm sick. Like you guys go without me. No more than like 10 minutes after they pulled out of the driveway, he got back to me. I zoomed over to him, got what I needed and like made a, you know, a miraculous uh, appearance at dinner like look how great I am. Like yeah. I'm the best son in the world. Like I've overcome this illness and yeah. like, you know, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Um, just like horrible. horrible. You're welcome. <laughs> and, uh, and so, so I, I pulled into, you know, fast forward a year and I pulled into, uh, our driveway and I see that they're kind of coming out for dinner. I'm like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, hold on. Like I'll, I'll shower. No worries. Um, and my mother was like, don't even bother. Like you're not welcome here anymore. 
Like, wow. you're just not welcome with us. We don't want you there. And she had a Ziploc bag of jewelry that I had stolen that I just forgot about. Um, wow. Yeah. So that was like a real gut punch. And uh, my mother is an amazing woman. And she uh, she was always, you know, and I say this, you know, as a kind of a lay person because I, I do not have children. And I don't know what that's like to watch a child struggle. Um, but she uh, she helped me out. She, you know, she enabled, you know, unknowingly enabled a lot of things that I did. Yeah. Um, my dad signed off like way long before he just like, you know, didn't know how to deal with it. Right. And, uh, and I, and she didn't know how to deal with it too. And her way was just to like, I'm just going to love you extra. Yeah. And I'm just going to love you extra. And when you need help, I'm going to give it to you unknowingly, you know, again, enabling my behavior. Yeah. You know, I knew that like I could go to mom and she would kind of bail me out in certain things. Like, yeah. Unconditional love, and then I mean, like I, yeah. I can't imagine. Like I can't imagine. I feel like that would be my go-to too if I didn't right. know. Um, and it was little things. It was like you know, um, filling up a car with gas. Um, yeah. And again, her not knowing that, like I'm filling up this car so that I can go make a run. Right. You know, this has nothing to do with like. And me. I don't. I can't afford to fill up my own car. Oh kind no, of thing. exactly. So. Because I mean, like I was literally. I would count money in increments of how much it cost per pill. Wow. I mean, like, that's like... That was your mindset. That, yeah. like, the math that I did in my brain, that's how it went. Um, so when she was the one who was like, y you can't come with us, that was, like, totally heart-wrenching. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and it really hit me there that, like, this isn't good. Um, so I was... Uh, I went to the therapist that night and... Uh, and like, I'm, I'm literally sitting out, you know, parked outside of his house. I'm like, you know, doing lines of Coke and lines of Oxycontin in my car prior to going into the session with him. And, uh, and I get in there and, and like without any prodding or any reason why I, I said to him, it was like an out of body experience. I was like, you know, I can't stop doing drugs. I need help. And I, I, wow. I could like see the words coming out of my mouth. Yeah. And like kind of reach for them and like, like pull, no, put them back. Yeah. Come on. No, we're not ready to do this yet. Yeah. Um, and it was out. Cat was out of the bag. And uh, and he was like, all right, we got to tell your parents. You have to go home and you have to you know, have to tell your parents. And uh, and so I go home and uh, and one thing that I like to do now, like um, kind of jumping away from that is I love to talk about communication. Yeah. I think communication is vital. Absolutely. Um, like, you know, food, shelter, water communication that is what humans i need. agree yeah you know people want to connect to someone or something um and i feel like i've learned that like at least for me you know it was like a skill that i had to learn yeah like you know it's there's like math and english and then like communicate with other people right and i just didn't know how to do that and so uh, most people don't right and it's like such a novel idea but like it's a real thing yeah um, it helps in every aspect of your life relationships with your family your girlfriend your parents and your teachers everyone your Anything. coworkers. Yeah. i mean it's asking for help yeah and, and so like going into to speak to them i was just like so scared i was just like riddled with fear um and i finally said it i told them everything i was like hey like you know this has been going on and like please help me um and immediately this just this weight just kind of like left me mm -hmm. and uh and so i went to um I went to rehab um, for 35 days, um, and then I went to a transitional living uh, facility, house, apartment, whatever yeah. you want to call it, uh, for a year. And so, you know, for over a year, I, like, set out to get my life back on track. 
Um, and for me, that was going to self-help groups. And for me, that was, you know, rebuilding these relationships that I'd completely tore down. Right. Um, that was like my biggest focus. You know, I realized when I got sober, like, oh, my God, like, look at what I did to everyone. Yeah. You know, not only what I did to myself, but like, you know, because so many times, like, you know, at least for me, I was like, OK, like, I don't know why everyone's mad. Like, right. I'm the one doing the drugs. Like, come on. Like, yeah. you know, you're not you're not right. being affected by this. You don't realize, like, the ripple effects that it can have yeah. on people. It's like you have blinders on and you're taking off the blinders and all of a sudden you're seeing everyone around you that's been hurt by it. Completely. Yeah. Completely. And, like, you know, um, and especially people that love you because people that love you only want you to do well and only want the best for you. And so they're, like, kind of bashing their head against the wall, yeah. so to speak, to, like, help you. And they're like, why can't this person get it? Right. right. You know, and I just wasn't ready to get it. Now, did your family know that you were an addict? Like, did they, they must have had some inkling of what, or did they just think you were a klepto? So, like, you know, <laughs> that's, that's a great that's a great question. It's a great question. Um, I think they knew that something was up. Yeah. I just didn't think that they wanted to believe that I was a drug addict. Okay, yeah. Um, that would make sense. And, and I get that because, like, I can't imagine, like, again, like, having a kid and being, like, you know, having to come to the realization, like, oh, my kid's a drug addict. Yeah. Right. And it probably does it not run in your family or anything. Like, No, nah, I yeah. am the black sheep. You right. Know? Yeah, like, it'd be one thing if they had the experience with other family members to go through it. But in a way, by not being educated on it, you're almost become an enabler by default because you don't know what's happening a hundred percent also because like you said your relationship with your mom she's a mom and she loves you so she wants to give in to those instincts which is probably easier than you know giving into you know reacting to what was actually happening dude uh, i mean a hundred percent and and so you know again yeah they knew something was up they just didn't know what it was and actually like interestingly enough like i had um i talking about like manipulating and and i was uh my dad was like at an ATM one time and I like very sneakily like looked at his password. Mm-hmm. And then so like one thing I would do is uh, when I needed money, I would uh, wait for him to kind of fall asleep or, or be busy with something, run upstairs, grab his ATM card, you know, go to uh, put on a disguise, go to the bank so that the the camera couldn't see my face and like take out money and like and go do my thing. And I remember one time my uh, – my dad was like, oh, I'm going to go grab cash. And my mom was looking at the finances and, you know, she checks them every week uh, and uh, as a diligent person should. And so she uh, she's like, oh, no, 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 no. Y- you took out money two days ago. And he was like, no, I didn't. what are you talking about? No, I didn't. And I'm in the kitchen. I'm like, oh, God, here we go. This isn't yeah. going to be good. That was me. Um, yeah. And so uh, <laughs> so they called like the bank and they like did like a fraud report and they um, they were going to do file police report. And so uh, they were – they said uh, – they got the camera footage. And oh, wow. all they could see is someone with their head down with a mask on and a hat on and that's all they could see. But, you know, my mom could see like my hands, like see that I was white. It wasn't like, you know, like s- someone else like, right. you know. And uh, and my dad literally sat me down and was like, hey, like this is what's going on here. Um, either you tell me what's going on. And we do something about it or I'm going to give this to the police. And as soon as it goes to the police, like it's out of my hands. And it's on your record or whatever it is. Yeah. And so I remember I was like, "Uh oh, like here we go. And so I literally made up that I had a gambling problem. Oh, wow. I was like, I'm gambling. Like I can't stop losing. And so I would literally go to uh, Gamblers Anonymous meetings. 
Wow. To keep up the lie. To keep up the lie. That's how serious it was. I'd have my mother drop me off at GA meetings. Which is already a serious addiction, too. A huge serious thing. And so, like, you know, it was like I would go there high out of my mind Mm -hmm. and, like, kind of talk about gambling. But really, I was talking about my own drug problem. Right. Right. And uh, and, and, and those are the lengths that I went to to keep up the lie. Yeah. Wow. Become like a master actor. Very far from the uh, version of yourself you saw when you were twelve, starting to. Yeah, no, you know, like you know, playing uh, playing with toys and stuff. This is not what I yeah. had envisioned. Faking going to gamblers anonymous meetings. So, what was it like in the treatment facility? Like, how was the withdrawal process and all of that? Uh, it was brutal. Yeah. It was brutal. I mean, um, I uh, I remember one time my sister was like, you know, what's withdrawal like? And I said, uh, you know, I cannot describe that to you. You'd have to experience it. Right. Because no words would properly encapsulate that. Um, and uh, But don't experience but, it. But, <laughs> so, so, you know, uh, uh, like last year, last Christmas, uh, we both got food poisoning. Oh, my gosh. And we're on the couch. We're ri- just disgusting. We're like so sick. Um, I hope not for mom's cooking. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> and uh, and so um, we are throwing out. It's, it's gross. And... Uh, I literally turned, like, rolled over to her, and I was like, hey, remember that question you asked me about withdrawal? Like, this is, you know, a tenth of what it's like. Oh, my God. Um, it's brutal. I mean, it's, you know, you you are freezing cold one second, and then the next second you are so boiling hot that you would I would soak the sheets in sweat. Um, you feel like, you know, you have, like, bugs crawling all over you. It's it's Your body just goes through all of the things at once everything at once i mean there's you know you're vomiting you're you know it's brutal um so i I went to this rehab place and uh um it was it was bad it was really bad and uh but they said to me they're like hey the only way you can jump from this detox to uh the transitional living portion of this to kind of like graduate from rehab um is if you're not on anything right now so so i kind of just like you know Grinned and bared it and, you know, pretty much lived my life for like two days in a bathroom, curled around a toilet. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was terrible. And how are the other – did you make, I mean, friends there? Did you – do you even still talk to other addicts and – Like do I talk to addicts now or just back then? Just then, like in – while you were there. Uh, you know – because they must have made you go to meetings while you were there. So like we, like that. so like the 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 premise of the rehab that I went to, it was you know very much group therapy involved. It was mm-hmm. all therapy intensive. So you'd be at groups all day, and then you'd finish the night um, at a meeting. And they had it was really great. They separated. Um, you had just substance use, just addiction people, um, and then you also had dual diagnosis people. Um, so co occurring disorders and. Uh, and co-occurring disorders, they could, they had the option of going to the meetings, whereas people who were there for specifically for uh, substance use addiction, yeah. you, you had to go to the meeting. Yeah. Um, and really what that was was just kind of, you know, giving you a taste of, hey, if you like this, this is what it looks like. Right. Um, I guess I made friends. Uh, I mean, you know, the first couple of days I was super closed off. Oh, um, I'm sure. You were probably like, I don't need to be here. And You know, it's funny. I knew I needed to be there. But I said to myself, well, what this all about is just I have to just stop drinking and doing drugs. That's what this is about. Like, let's just cut it off there. Dry me out. Send me on my way. Like, I don't need to do any of this other stuff. Yeah. I was like your your willpower is much stronger than anyone else's. That kind of thing. Yeah. I I also like I'm smarter than all of you. I just know better, you know, um, and all this therapy stuff like eh, I just don't really need it. Yeah. Um, I didn't really realize that there is so much more to 
mental health, and, and I emphasize the word health, right? You know, than it is just uh, one specific thing. Yeah. Like I look at addiction as you know, drinking and drugs are but a symptom, right, of my larger issue, which is my mental illness or yeah. my mental health, my mental health pervasive mental health situation, right. Um, in that I need to learn how to communicate with people. I need to learn how to you know, not lie and, you know, live a healthy, constructive life. And I just right. didn't know how to do that. And also be like, okay with yourself, not being on these substances and being accepted by people because you became like this party God and people wanted to hang out with you because you were so fun. And you probably were like, well, I don't know what I'm like when I'm not, when I'm not drinking. And I don't know how I can offer anything to anyone if I'm not the party, party AJ. Right. So, this was hard. your thing, yeah. You know, the thing that you found as being the thing that you're great at. What happens when that gets taken away? And you realize right. you're totally. actually great at everything else, but you know that you have to strip that down. Totally. I mean, like I had nothing. Yeah. You know that that's the answer. I had nothing. I didn't know what it was like to do anything else not associated with alcohol and drugs. Right. And you have to kind of rebuild your entire self. A daunting task. Yeah. I mean, seriously, it is. Um, how did it affect, did you have girlfriends through all of this? Yeah. So, uh, the, uh, I had a girlfriend in college who she received the brunt of my behavior. Right. Um, and, uh, and looking back, I mean, you know, she was, uh, she was someone who was ready for a relationship and she was dating someone who had no idea what was going on. With right. Life. So like <laughs> she was, uh, she had to, you know, feel that you know pretty hard. Um, but, uh. Yeah, I mean, I was the worst boyfriend of all time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I couldn't be with her unless I was high. Um, if I was with her, I was constantly checking my phone because I was waiting for a dealer to... Just not present. Just at all. Yeah. Literally at all. Um, and I'll never forget, like, I remember one time, like, our relationship had hit ahead, and she, like, we went for a walk, and um, we sat down, and she w she said to me, you know, why can't we just like do stuff like this and be together? And, and like, I was just like, that just sounds like the dumbest thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> what? Like, why, why would I want to just like spend time just with you? Yeah. Again, you know, and, and this was just where my ego was right. and where my selfishness was in that I didn't care about you. If it wasn't serving me, like, yeah, I don't need it. And you look back and you're like, <laughs> oh, it's brutal. It's brutal. I, I feel, you know, I, 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 completely mistreated this person right and what about you, with your sister did you have yeah. a close relationship with your sister through all this or so uh that's a that's a great question um i uh so i had stolen um this really great um beautiful um heirloom bracelet that my grandmother had given my sister and um and it was found out because i had so I would like steal his stuff and then I'd get so high that I'd forget that I'd st stolen stuff and I'd have it stashed in my room like for the next time I was going to go to the pawn shop. And um, my mom found um, a bag of of one thing and it was in my room and she was like, was this you? And of course I was like, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. I think I blamed it on the cleaning lady at the time. And uh, and my sister didn't speak to me. We did not talk for three years. Wow. Um, we did not have a relationship. I gave her at the time a very genuine apology because at that moment it was genuine. But two days after that, I didn't even think about it. You yeah. know? Um, I mean, we would be in the same room for holidays, but that was kind of about it. Um, you know, I totally ruined our relationship, you know, because of my actions. Um, and so when I got sober, it was, you know, 
I was one of the great things about, excuse me, the rehab and like going to group therapy that I had found as I kind of, yeah, you know, bought into like, okay, maybe I do need this, um, was, uh, just kind of like word vomit. Yeah. And like, you know, this is what's going on with me. I need to just like expel this from my, like my soul right, right. now. And my Once body. it comes out, you're like, I can't stop. Oh, I, like it was like yeah. the floodgates were open. Yeah. This is what's going on. Mm-hmm. Somebody help me with this. Right. Um, and it, the, the reparation process with her, it was slow. Yeah. It was slow. And like, I had to really show like through consistent actions, you know, that I am AJ, I'm your brother, and I'm, I'm now becoming the person you were always supposed to be. Um, so we didn't talk for about three years and, uh, and just recently, um, she got engaged and, uh, you know, first off, I was invited to, you know, the weekend where she got engaged, which, you know, for me, that is the cash and prizes of a recovering life. Yeah. You know, I get to be present for this. Um, I remember when, uh, one time, uh, and this was when I was still active, like we were doing something for, you know, um, some financial thing. And, uh, I had to be the, some guarantor, if you will, uh, on her, uh, you know, finance process. And she literally said to me, uh, you know, I hate that I have to put your name down. I hate it because I literally don't know if when I have kids, you'll just steal all the money from them. Um, and so fast forward, you know, years now and, uh, you know, I'm going to be one of the groomsmen in her wow. wedding for, you know, for her fiance. Yeah. And that is awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Um, we talk all the time now. She's been helping me with my website and, you know, I kind of run things by her. You really and repaired the relationship. Big time. And, uh, and it's something, it, it's ongoing. You know, yeah. it's ongoing for me. I need to consistently show that, you know, this is who I am. You're a trustworthy person. And it's interesting how not being included in something is sort of what woke you up. And then now you're included in it and it's like the best feeling ever. And it's interesting how even how you started drinking, you just wanted to be included. It seems like that's just who you are. You just like to be involved, even if you can't express it. And I, th- I think that's like a great point because like, you know, I, I, I know on uh, on your guys first episode, you guys talking about mental health and how like physical health you can see mental health. You can't see. Yeah. So on the outside, I was, you know your typical popular kid. Yeah. I had friends, I did this, I did that. But really on the inside, I was kind of broken. Yeah. I just didn't know it yet. Right. You know, or I didn't not know it yet. I just didn't know it at all. Right. You know, I didn't know that I was searching for something. Yeah. That's very interesting. And were you given like a 12 step program or anything it, like that? In rehab? No. No. Um, you know, they don't, uh, they don't push that. Um, so like with, uh, with AA, there are steps and then there are also traditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the traditions is that it's, you know, uh, the um, the saying is uh, attraction rather than promotion. Right. So like, hey, this is what I do, you know, and this is where it's led me. If this kind of sounds cool to you or you like what's going on here, like, you know, yeah. this could be your thing. If not, like, no big deal. Um, and I think for me, it was, you know, at the point in rehab where I was so desperate for help. Yeah, I kind of like let my guard down. I was like, okay, like I'll start doing this. Um, I would see all these people at meetings who kind of had it together. Um, and for me, I had uh, terminal uniqueness in mm-hmm. that I was like, well, I'm the only one who's done this. And I'm the only one who I'm, I'm the baddest of all of you. Right. You know, none of you have entered my kind of airspace of, of what I've done. Right. And then I would see people, you know, men and women who seemed 
you know, very well put together and very articulate and, yeah. you know, on the outside, very pretty or very, hand, you know, all that, those kind of, you know, checked boxes. And uh, and they would say things like, oh, I did this. Well, I did that. And I'm like going down this. I'm like, well, me too. Me too. All yeah. right. Wow. You did that too? God, shocking. You know? Yeah. Um, and so I was like, you know, I'm not alone. Yeah. And that was so big for me that I wasn't alone. And I found that camaraderie in meetings. Right. And so for me, going to meetings allows me to kind of, you know, feel that when I have it and then have a space where I have, you know, men and women who have gone through life's problems. Because I, I, I think that, you know, the common misconception with any kind of mental health is that when you're in a state of recovery, it's like, okay, well, we're good now. Yeah. Like, you know, life is going to be amazing. Right. You know, I'm probably going to go home. There's going to be like a bag of cash and a brand new job and right. a car in the driveway. So we're all good. But that, you know, it's not the case. Yeah. You know, life still happens. You still have to repair everything else and repair everything else and, and, and like build you know, your own. It's a never ending process, really. Exactly. You know, and, and like, so like you're still going to get fired from a job. You're still going to yeah. get broken up with. You know, you're still going to deal with like problems. Right. And so it's like, okay, well, how do you handle these now? Do you, rev you know, revert back to old behaviors? You know, right? Whether that's, you know, drinking and alcohol, you know, drinking and drugs or other, you know, unconstructive behavior. Yeah. Or do you go forward and kind of use these tools that you've learned, you know, in the recovery process in therapy or in um, in rehab and kind of, you know, navigate these waters? Yeah. I think it's important in a way that you made your career now so centered around your sobriety and sharing that and making it an open dialogue for people, especially because I find that in listening to other people t tell me things or just in general, or maybe just like stereotyping people that you, if, if you like kind of forget, not forget you're sober, but forget that this was such a big part of your life and not to say that you can't move on with your life, but if you don't remind yourself like every day that you have to, you know, stay sober and be this person, no matter what hard thing you're going through, you can kind of like, it's almost, you're almost held accountable now because it's like such a prominent part of your life. But I'm interested because my friend had told me that he, he, he had surgery. So he was, you know, the pills that they give you after surgery sure. and you're really tested in all these things. Sure. So have you, have you had any of those experiences yet where your, your sobriety has been tested like that? Um, sort of. Uh, so I had, I had to get a root canal, um, Ooh. like eight months into sobriety and I was freaking out about like anesthesia and is that, you know, a thing? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, at the time, you know, uh, I I was going to meetings, but I wasn't really, you know, totally involved in it in that, you know, I didn't have a sponsor. I, and so I didn't really know who to call yeah. for an answer, right? Um, and so uh, so I, I went with the extreme decision of, okay, I will do no anesthesia for this. And I just did the root canal, like, kind of raw. Um, and that was quite possibly the worst experience I've ever had. Oh, my gosh. Um, and, uh, and so kind of later on, you know, months later, I'm now – not just going to meetings, but I'm like really, as they say, kind of working a program. And, uh, and I, you know, was talking to my, my sponsor and, and he was like, why would you ever do that? Like, yeah. that's okay. Um, yeah, you can have the anesthesia. It, it, this is okay. It's not going to be a problem. Um, and so, uh, you know, um, 
a, a piece of literature that I like to read. It, it's called Living Sober, and um, it's not. Uh, it is it's AA sanctioned, but it's not you know uh, it's not the big book or anything right, like right. that. And it's really like it, it is true to its title. It's that this is how you live sober. And and literally one of the chapters is you know um, tobacco and other drugs. And, yeah. And and it talks about tobacco and caffeine and like hey, what's going to happen if you have to get surgery? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I haven't been tested with that yet, but I know that there is a correct way to do it, right? If I go by per the doctor's orders and have someone give me medication correctly and yeah. I don't abuse that medication, then, you And know, you have to really disclose, like... Disclose everything. Who you are and oh, yeah. what you've been through kind of thing so people, the doctors know. Cause... I mean, anytime I've gone to the doctor and that... So, like, I remember when I went for that root canal, I was like, well... You know, I've had a history of substance use, so you cannot give me anything. Um, and they just prescribe me Tylenol. Yeah. And so, and that's kind of the route I went. But I am as upfront as humanly possible. Um, I try to just be transparent. Um, yeah. You know, one of the things that I always hated when I was using was I have something to hide. Right. And I just, I, and I would look at people and like, have you figured me out yet? Yeah. You know, do you know what I'm doing? You must um, not even recognize yourself. And so like, you know, <laughs> looking and, back. And so and it's funny you say that, you know, because I have people who um, when I was in rehab, people would say would hear my story and, and all this. And they'd be like, well, I don't believe that you did any of that. Yeah. And it's, you know, no, I did do that. You know, but it is, you know, I kind of set out to change who I who I was. Right. You know, and kind of spring forward to something new. And that truly wasn't who you were. No. You know, this is who it was you were. all right, right, right. right. This is who you were the whole time. Yeah. It was just I needed all... to take a detour to get there. Right. As we all do right, in some right, capacity. Right, 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 right. What was the um you know, one of the steps is making amends. What was it like when you sat down with your parents finally to confront, you know, all of the stuff that you had done hard. Yeah. Um it was hard and, and you know, it started I, – I started with my sister and um, I remember we uh, – it took me a while to do this by the way um, yeah. and because uh, for me I was like, oh, well, you know, there is also living amends as well. And so it's like, okay, I'm just going to live this way, right? And I'll show you through action that, that this is what I'll do because a lot of people don't – certain situations shouldn't require me having to like mm -hmm. dredge up the past, right? right. And so um, – uh, I said to myself, oh, why, why do I need to do this? You know, I, everything's good now. Why would I bring all of this up again to, you know, ruin what what we've built now? Right. And so I remember sitting down and uh, and being so nervous, just impossibly nervous, um, but realizing that, you know what, uh, this is what I have to do. And I'll actually, I'll go back. I remember we were at dinner together, um, all three of us, or four of us, sorry, and, um, and everything was great, but I felt this like block Yeah. and I didn't know how to put my finger on that. Like an uh, elephant in the room. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, it was like a disconnect with these people and it like had kind of, kind of just happened. Um, and I was like, what, like, what is that? Why do I feel disconnected from you guys? Yeah. And I realized it was because, you know, I haven't, I haven't owned up to my, to my side of the street, yeah. so to speak. I haven't, you know, I haven't taken a accountability for my actions right and so in doing so i felt this relief of you know there is nothing between us anymore yeah you know there's nothing between us anymore and we can really now just like yeah our trajectory is totally you know upward and linear right because i'm sure in their head they thought you know he he stole from us he lied to us all of these things and does he even know he did that right. if you don't just own up to it and say like I'm aware that this happened and I'm aware that 
I hurt you and I, it's not, it's not going to be the same anymore. So totally. And, and, and that was just like, you know, it's such a huge moment just cause again, you know, it, it provided relief, not just for me, but I'm sure for them too. Right. You know, and that, okay. Yeah. He's kind of, you know, he is moving along this process. Yeah. So how have, has your friendships been in since, you know, you have a lot of sure. party friends, I'm sure. sure. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I, uh, so going back to kind of communication, right? Like I, I guess I realized that, you know, and my friends who I've had since, you know, the first grade and, and even before that are amazing, amazing people. Like yeah. I think they're fantastic. But what I've realized is that, you know, the conversation that we had was centered around, you know, kind of like partying, partying and, yeah. and fun things we did and like, Hey, like stories. Exactly. And so as I learned how to communicate, you know, when, you know, it used to be that I would throw out this question of, so what's going on for you? And like, I don't really care, but I, that's kind of, you know, it was a colloquialism for me. Right. Right. And, and now when I asked that question, like as I got sober and as I started to kind of branch out and like, you know, test the waters a little bit, I would, uh, when I asked that question, how are you doing? Like, I truly want to know. Yeah. Hey, how are you? You know, how's your family? How's work? How, how are you doing? Are you happy? Yeah. You know, what's going on for you? Um, and so, you know, my friendships have whittled down, um, in a sense in that, you know, I'm not, uh, I don't have the big group of friends that I go out with or, or anything like right. that. Um, but I have pockets of, you know, a couple guys here, a couple guys there that, you know, I, I know always support me and I know are super happy for me and they know that I would support them yeah. too. Mm. Um, and a big thing for me was getting friends in sobriety too. Right. You know, and having kind of like-minded ind- individuals around me because, you know, I'm not going out to a bar. Right. Or, or if I do at 11 o'clock, I'm leaving because mm-hmm. nothing good, good is- happens after midnight. There you yeah. go. There you go. There you go. There you go. That's a great line. Um, yeah. Nothing good happens after midnight. You know, I, I don't need to be here. Like I'll right. go for like, you know, the pregame in, in the apartment. I'll go for like an hour at the bar and then I'm signing off. Guys. Yeah. You know, I, I don't need, you don't to, need be. to be around that. Exactly. I don't need to be even around that. <laughs> and I'm not <laughs> sober. Um, so like, I guess, you know, the friendships, you know, they're more meaningful now. Right. In that, you know, when I've sat down with with the the you know the close knit group of guys that I have individually, you know, we have really great conversations, yeah. and I really cherish those kind of conversations because I, I know about your life. And You're like, making a connection, exactly. Yeah. It, it probably is the exact opposite of where you used to feel comfortable, where you probably would have felt more comfortable with the small talk, the how yeah. are you doing, but you're not really paying attention because it's like you're just staying at surface level. But then once you make that connection with people, it's hard to go back yeah. to not, you know. Yeah, and you probably realize like, oh my god, I don't even know my friends. Totally, to an extent, the ones that you party with, if you're not really, if you don't really care what they're up to, and don't really care to get to know them, because you're just sort of all, you know, like let's party. What's up? Oh, cool. Bye. And right. then you just don't really get to know them to a de- on a deeper level. And once you do know someone on a deeper level on in a sober setting, it's totally different. Totally different. And, and I feel like you know we have a real connection now. You know, we can really put the stamp of like, hey, we're friends. Yeah. And because you care about me and I care about you versus, you know, I, I it was just I care if you're here tonight or, you know, I'm, I'm worried if like, are you going to be here tonight and I get to see you for whatever bit? No, you know, I really want to know. What's right. Going on with you. And you kind of got over that that thing a lot of people struggle with who do drink to be social is just communicating 
and being yourself without having a substance to to lead you there and you know like liquid courage basically right, right, right. and you think about it when people go on dates they always say let's get a drink because sure. you you know it's a way to open up people maybe are more timid and then they feel loose and whatever but that's sort of like where everything it, that's where the problem lies is people just don't know how to communicate and be themselves and be open and especially in a vulnerable situation or where they don't know someone and I mean, that's like, that's one of the main issues I think most people need to overcome in order to avoid these addictions to start happening and that kind of thing. Cause it's really all based around like the social setting and social anxieties and things like that. Totally. Totally. I mean, I think that, you know, um, addiction is something that always occurs with something else, you know, in regards yeah. to it, you know, you are medicating for some other reason, whether it's anxiety or depression or, you know, post-traumatic stress right. or whatever it is in a numerous amount of things that, you know, I can't really deal with this on my own and in a, you know, constructive or healthy setting. And this is the thing that numbs me right. and allows me to kind of just wade through the day. So I'm just going to, this works so for you me can now. survive, essentially. Exactly. exactly. It's an issue, masking an issue that creates a new issue. <laughs> because, I mean, you know, with, with, you know, with addiction and alcoholism, right, you know, you have problems, right? Everybody has problems. If I drink, I still have problems, but now I'm either drunk Multiple or hungover. Right? Yeah. You know, and, and th they haven't gone away. Yeah. And alcohol is a depressant as it is. So absolutely. Just, it's not going to do you any good. But... No, it's not going to help. No. <laughs> so um, in talking to schools and things like that, have you had any moments where a student will come up to you and just kind of talk about, you know, like, hey, I'm going through kind of similar thing as to what you were going through or, you know, I feel like I want to party all the time and that's like the only way I'll be accepted kind of thing. It's interesting. Um, number one, yeah, I've had multiple students come up to me. Um, also, parents come up to me afterwards uh, kind of, you know, confidentially. And um, it, it's more, you know, their concern for other people, yeah. um, you know, and they are here are these people who, you know, are advocating or speaking up for people who don't either don't know what's going on yet or, or don't know how to, you know, ask for help. Yeah. Um, and it's a concern with, you know, a classmate whose behavior is totally resembles my behavior. Yeah. Um, you know, when I go in and have these conversations or sorry, these talks, um, you know, I really detail like, you know, I talk about the feelings that I felt and, and, and my behaviors associated with those feelings. Um, and so it's classmates who are concerned with other classmates or classmates who are concerned about their brother or their sister who are doing this. Yeah. Um, and then I've also had parents who are concerned with, you know, nephews or nieces or their own children or right. or anything like that. Wow. I would imagine it would be hard for someone, especially at that age, to come to you with the problem. You know, Which the parent or, or the or no, the, the actual person who's going yeah. through it. Oh, totally. It'd be so hard to come up to you afterwards. So that's it makes sense that it'd be other people around, and that's often the hardest position to be in because there's nothing you can really do for the person until they get to the point. Right. Like they have to hit that that point that you hit. Yeah. Where you realize you need help, and it's Every, so yeah. hard to see a loved one or a friend or a close someone that you're close with going through that because how much can you do? And that's you know. It's also hard because you don't want to be this bad guy you right. don't want to be right. seen as you know a betraying them in some way right. you're supposed to be the friend or the brother yeah. or, you know and they're like don't tell anyone or you know yeah wow and it's interesting too because you know much that point you know that bad guy kind of persona or whatever you know 
it's really the opposite that's true. You're doing the best thing for that person. Right. Yeah. You know, they they may not realize it, but you know, you are doing the best thing for them. Right. So, when did you meet Courtney? Uh, I met Courtney uh, a little under 11 months ago. Uh, we met on Hinge. Uh, oh, oh, yeah? Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so Go dating apps. So, uh, you know, it's funny. I um, uh, So, like, getting back into the dating scene, right? I was uh, – it was weird. I was like, okay, like, I don't go to bars. Um, and if I do, I'm kind of like – drinking a club soda by the time we get there everyone's hammered and you know like it's funny like i've gone to bars and and i'll be talking i was i'd be talking to a girl and i'd be having a conversation with them and like they you know i would slowly watch the light light fade from their eyes i'm like and this conversation's over um so uh, we're getting nowhere you know i'm like so how's work going how are you and they're like yeah well i think i'm gonna get shots and i'm like okay well you know i'm gonna leave now yeah uh so hey uh, it helps you kind of filter out all of the people you don't want to totally totally that's not someone i yeah <laughs> right totally uh and so i was like okay this isn't working um and uh i was like okay i'm not going to meet anyone you know at starbucks uh because i mean pre-coffee i don't want to talk to me so like yeah. I, I know no one's going to want to talk to me either uh, no one else uh, and you know I, I just didn't know where to meet someone right um and my roommate was using apps and i was like you know this is unnatural this is this is not the way yeah. things are done yeah. i'm supposed to meet my future wife you know in a social setting that is how it's done um, and that just wasn't working out. Um, and so I decided to, you know, to join the, uh, the rest of the world and, and get with the times. And, uh, and so I went on dates and I mean, there were some brutal ones. There. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's hard for a person to understand, I guess, especially if they don't know anyone who's sober or whatever. And a lot of people I feel like act like, oh my God, that's amazing. Right, right. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so I'm so impressed. Right. And then, Slowly more drinks are had and then they and like, just and they just know, don't get it. And the thing is like I have no problem if somebody drinks. Like yeah. truly. Like like it is it's the most normal it's, you know, what people do. You right. drink alcohol. And I think that's amazing. You know, I just can't do it safely. So like right. that's why I don't do it. You know, I would never pass judgment on anyone for right. that. Um but um, you know, much to what you said of like people don't really get it, going into it, I was like, okay, like they're gonna order some drink. I'm going to order club soda. It'll be clear. There's going to be a question that comes after that. Oh, you're not drinking right now? Okay, like, how do I get into this? And so I concocted this, you know, ridiculous story, uh, different stories of like, well, I just don't really like the taste. Or, 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 you know, it's just... Just like test the waters a little bit. Right, it's like, it's just not my thing. Uh, And and so many people would be like, oh, okay, and, and... um, and some people would have other questions and I'd have to, you know, scramble and find a different answer. Oh, man, you find yourself lying again. There, you. there, here we go. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm breaking my own yeah, rules yeah, yeah. here. Right. You know, and so. Um, I mean, I, there's no easy way to come out with like, hey, I'm, I'm an addict. Or right. I'm, you know, going through this. It's like kind of a it's kind of a buzzkill. Right. I, yeah, beginning. I didn't want to lead with like, oh, I'm not drinking because I had a giant problem with cocaine yeah. and oxycodone. Yeah. You know, I'll take a wild guess, though, and guess that the time that you were genuine, it actually, you know. That it was. And so it was actually her her calling me out on it. So uh <laughs> so uh so we get to the date and, and, and uh she orders a drink and uh and I order a club soda and and she said uh she said, Oh, you're not drinking? And I said, No, and, and I'm, you know, two seconds away from going into my, you know, ridiculous story. And uh and this is when she had me. Uh she said, uh, were you too good at it? And I said Wow and I said I just got the chills. I said, Yes I was. Oh, and I was like That's it. I was like, you're the one. Yeah, I was like, I- I'm in trouble. 
But also, like, like <laughs> not having to go right into it, just feeling understood and being able to get past yeah. that. Because you probably build it up in your mind after all those dates. All and within one second. Yeah. That if she just immediately clicked with you on that, it's like, okay, let's move on. Let's keep talking. And she right. did it in such, like, a great way. Like, were you too good at it? Like, yeah. what a, Not what a, judgmental. No, not at all. Like, yeah. what a, And, like, putting humor into it. Like, yeah. I'm someone, if, if you can't laugh about yourself, right. you know. Self-deprecation is It's key. huge. huge. Yeah. You know, I, I have to be able to laugh at myself. Right. Um, cause it makes it tolerable. Yeah. And, and so when she said that, I was just like, yep, yeah, you're the <laughs> Hello. one for me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Welcome. Awesome. Yeah. And, and then the, the, the next thought was, please don't mess this up. Right. Like, of come course. On, like, keep it together. Like stimulating conversation, stimulating conversation. Right. That's great. And then yeah. you can actually get into like things that make you happy and yeah. your passions instead of having to re, I mean, I'm sure at some point you had to tell her all of what happened oh it continued by the way right we got into everything like very shortly after oh, that. Really? she right. had she had questions uh right. she uh you know she is someone who uh um is very direct and uh and which i love about her and uh and she had questions and it was weird you know um talking about like connections and stuff like that you know i just felt comfortable yeah you know i i remember you know i i know i said with the therapist i could like see the words coming out of my mouth right i was like telling her stuff and i and like i had this like inner dialogue in my head of like why are you saying all these things? AJ? Yeah. Please stop. Please stop. But it's just, comfortable. it just was coming out. And yeah. I was like, and, and she was so receptive and so like di- digesting all of this yeah. so normally. And it felt so like real and normal to do that. Yeah. And, and, and it's yeah. great to know that there's people like that, that can just listen yeah. to it and be like, well, that happened. Yeah. And now you're doing new. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. It was really great. So she's really great. <laughs> Keeper. <laughs> awesome. Nice. Yeah. So did you like? Did you introduce her to your family after? So and all that okay, stuff? so funny story. Um, so uh, my um, so we met. Uh, our first date was on January thirty first, um, and uh, wow, and he remembers the date. And it was a Wednesday too. Oh my lord! Wow. Yep, yeah. Yep. What time was it? <laughs> uh, well, she rescheduled. She rescheduled a couple times. Let me tell you. Uh, so it was supposed to be six thirty, and it was seven, and it was seven thirty. Classic. Um, classic so, so going into it i was like this is gonna go terrible you know <laughs> let me just get out of here and go watch netflix um but uh like, he, she doesn't want to be here <laughs> so like literally, i was like oh god it's terrible yeah. and uh and so um and it was at the uh the bell fry or bell fry free bar uh right on a uh, 14th between okay. uh second and third wow i know it all um so uh but um so like that was january 31st right and then my sobriety day is march 4th and so um I remember, and so like now, like you know, we've added to um, my sister, and my mom's kind of birthday celebration. We had like you know for uh, for my sober date, and so uh, we were going out to dinner, and like we'd been dating for like a month, or, or right. seeing each other for a month, and like I, I think think you know like two or three weeks in, it was kind of we had the conversation of like you know what are we now, and uh, yeah. and I was like I just assumed we were dating, I, I you yeah. know I, I took this all away, and uh, <laughs> and so. Um, we were going out to dinner and I said, Oh, I'm going out to dinner with my family for, you know, uh, um, my mom and my sister's birthday and then my sobriety date. And she kind of, you know, and I didn't invite her cause I was like, okay, like this is so soon. And she kind of gave me the look of like, when's my invite? Yeah. You know? And, and so I was like, do you want, do you want to come? You know, like <laughs> you can come too. And, um, and it actually ended up being the best thing ever. And, and I will tell you why. Um, so my parents and my family were around for, all of the bad. Right. You know, they experienced all of it. And um, in my sobriety and, you know, in the last, you know, almost four years, right? Not that I haven't included them in it, but I don't call them and say, hey, I went to a great meeting or, or you know. Yeah. It's, it has just been so woven into my life that, like, 
I don't, I never felt the need to share specifics about right. it day to day. Exactly. Yeah. You know? And so, and I also, I felt weird about it, you yeah. know, mm -hmm. are you going to really understand this? I know you're supportive, but are you going to get this? Right. So we're at dinner and, uh, and Courtney was, you know, she wanted to, um, she wanted to come to uh, what's called an open meeting where anyone can come. And so, uh, I said, Hey, well, there's a meeting on near your apartment and we can go to that. And, you know, I can raise my hand and say, it's three years today. And, and she really wanted to be a part of that. And that really meant a lot to me. Um, so we're at dinner and, uh, my mom was like, Oh, you know, what are you guys doing tomorrow? And she, Courtney was like, Oh, well, we're going to a meeting tomorrow uh, to celebrate. You guys should all come with us. Oh, wow. And, uh, <laughs> and so at first I was, you know, sweating bullets. I just did not want this to happen. Um, and it ended up being just the most perfect thing ever. Um, we went to a meeting and, uh, and they got to experience that part of it. Yeah. Um, the good part of, uh, of, you know, what I do now. And a huge part of your life. A huge part of my life. And, and then we got to go to brunch afterwards and now it is going to be, you know, our tradition now. That's amazing. Every year. And it's so all you. She, she started all of <laughs> it and, and, you know, and I'm so grateful for that. And I, I know my parents and my sister love that too. Wow. So yeah. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 That was great. Um, Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me on. This. this has been amazing. Yeah, it has. I'd love to have you back on to see how like your website. I would love to. And yeah, yeah. Please, yeah, and absolutely. Uh, you know, the website will be up and running. It, it's like kind of running, but the I'm kind of churning out a blog right now. Um, and uh, actually, my hope is to have kind of guest writers come on. Yeah. Um, and to talk about you know any kind of mental health that they have going through, and so like to give different perspectives, right? You know, I'm a 28 year old guy who's sober, right? I want to get their perspective of a 20 year old girl who's going through anxiety or, you know, a yeah. 25 year old girl who is sober, right? Or a 40 year old woman yeah. who's sober, you know, all different perspectives. So, um, you know, please be on the lookout, agds.org in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. For, uh, and give your Instagram handle too. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's funny. I have to, I have to, you know, start scrubbing an Instagram. So it'll be agds.org for the, for the Instagram handle. And, uh, cool. yeah, yeah. Cool. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Guys.